says in a hadith, a person who recites this particular surah, Tabaraka alladhi biyadihi al-mulk, the entire surah till the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect that person from the fitna of the qabr. Now what is the qabr, respected brothers? These are all important aspects of our creed and our aqidah, our belief as Muslims. So generally in our terminology, a qabr is a hole in the ground in which we place the deceased, the marhum is placed. But in Sharia, that is only partly the meaning of Qabr. Qabr is the stage of barzakh between this dunya and the akhirah, the day of Qiyamah. Because what happens to the person who perhaps tried to cross through the Kruger National Park and was eaten by lions, or somebody who was eaten up by a great white shark, his head is in one animal's body and his feet is in another animal's body, does it mean he doesn't have a Qabr? No. They are in the realm and the state of barzakh. They're in the control of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It doesn't mean that there was no physical grave in the ground or a hole, that they did not enter into the realm of the barzakh. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, and this is amongst the essential beliefs that a Muslim should have, that when we die, there will be questioning in the grave. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in a hadith, the malaika will say, Man rabbuk? Who is your Rabb? And as we heard today in the Jum'ah khutbah, it's not merely knowing the questions and preparing the answers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the questions via Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we can, we can learn the answers now, but the answers in the grave will depend on how it was implemented in our lives. So who is your Rabb? What is your deen? And who is this person that was sent to you? And the image of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will be shown. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, those who did not follow the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will say, ha, la adri, la adri, I don't know. I can't make out who that is. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not make us amongst them. You see, respected brothers and sisters, when a person lives in this world, sometimes the question pops up in our minds that when a person is buried, now is the enjoyment or the comfort of the qabr only on the ruh, on the soul of that person, or the body as well? That is a question that sometimes comes to mind. So both are the creation of Allah. The ruh with which a person exists in this capsule of a body is also the creation of Allah. And the body itself is also the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In this dunya, they are partners in crime. The ruh and the body go together. The example we give is like Perhaps uh, a blind man who is physically able and he's got a friend who can see but is crippled. So the physically able one tells his friend, okay, you know, we need to steal a particular thing, but I can't see, so I need your eyes. And he carries the crippled friend which is not visually impaired, he can see, and they commit the crime together. So when they are caught, the blind one or the can't say that you know I'm blind I couldn't see what's happening and the one who could see can't say I'm crippled both of them are together and this is why a person in this dunya has a dream and has a nocturnal emission and ghusl becomes obligatory that dream was experienced by his soul but the body makes, makes the ghusl Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in a hadith and no mu'akhul maut. 
The brother of death is your sleep. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows you a person might be sleeping and his entire family sees he's snoring and he's sleeping on the couch. But he's entered a realm in which he's enjoying something or perhaps he's being chased by something or he's feeling pain. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has shown us these examples that they are, they are practical examples that we are aware of where a person is in front of us but he is detached and his soul is in another realm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the barzakh something which we have to prepare for. And it wouldn't be possible for us to adequately understand it except in the way that Rasulullah sallallahu explains and whatever we are informed by Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because if you are in one realm, not exposed to the realities of the next, then how do you perceive the realities of the realm in which you are not existent? How do you explain to a fetus, a baby in the mother's womb, that there's an orange man called Donald Trump? How do you, how do, you do that? How do you explain to a child the type of food we're going to eat in this world, the places that we visit, the type of things we do? They're in a different world altogether. These are things which does not uh, apply to them in the existence in which they find themselves. So similarly in this dunya, we are in this world and we have to understand certain realities that were given to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as, as realities. And we shouldn't think that it's just mere fiction or just part of our imagination. So the recitation of Surah Al-Mulk is something of utmost importance. The Surah comes to the defense of the person in the Qabr. And even if we cannot see, tomorrow somebody says, well, uh, in Egypt there's Tutankhamun's bodies there or the communists preserve the body of their leader and we can see the body but we can't see any adab. Who says you need to see the adab? Because the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives adab and the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes a person to experience it or the body and the soul to experience it is in the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like you cannot see that sleeping person experiencing happiness or sadness Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes allows, like the body of Fir'aun was, was, was kicked out of the earth. It was, it was not allowed to be preserved in the ground. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a sign kept his body on the surface of this earth. But it doesn't mean there's no adab. Because in the Quran, Allah says, النَّارُ يُعْرَضُونَ عَلَيْهَا غُدُوًا وَعَشِيًّا the adab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is being afflicted upon them morning and evening. So this is a reality. And denying the adab of the qabr is detrimental to one's iman. These are the basic and the essentials that we have to understand. Many times when we don't speak about these things, it becomes a distant part of our memories. We learned it when we were in maktab and we learned it when we were small. But now when we are growing older, we're not really considering and thinking the realities of what is happening. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says when a person passes away, then after they leave, the, the people who buried that marhum leaves 40 steps away, then the malaika descend upon that person and they start presenting the questions. Their respected brothers, there's no title, there's no wealth, there's no family lineage, there's nothing that can protect us besides the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And most likely the time that a person will spend there will be longer than the time we lived in this world. And based on how we spend our time in this life, this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make our graves. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, The grave is either a garden from amongst the gardens of Jannah or it is a pit of the fire of Jahannam. And 
We do not know which activity of ours could result in difficulty in our graves. On the day of Eid, Rasulullah was passing by two graves. And he and these were graves of Sahaba. And he said, These two are being punished. But they are not being punished for something which people take seriously. People don't take that seriously for what they are being punished. Then Rasulullah said, Amma hada, this particular one, Fakana Yamshi bin Namima. He was a tail carrier. He would go to this one and say, you know, this one said this, this one said that, this one said that, and cause fitna in the community. And the second one, Kana la yastanzihu anil bowl. He would not be cautious and take precaution when relieving himself, and he was not cautious in saving himself from the, the sprinkles of the droplets of urine when purifying himself. Such a small thing, which we take to be small. Rasulullah said, they're not being punished for something which you regard to be big, but something that you, you overlook and we regard to be small and insignificant. And if you, if you analyze that, respected brothers, a person not making his stinja properly, the clothing, as, the clothing he's wearing is soiled. The tahara and the purification required for the correctness of his salah is not sufficient. Therefore, the salah is not valid. So he's performing salah. And that's why I said yesterday, the a'mal of deen do not get completed by wishing. You can't wish that the amal must be complete. Just, okay, I'm going to do it whichever way I can and hope that it for the best. It has to be done according to the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Every amal of deen. A person cannot perform salah and say, okay, just many times we see a person going through the motions, Allah, he's going up and down. And then he's crying also. But his salah was, was incorrect. Against the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa Even if he cries tears of blood, it will not be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If a person comes tomorrow and with ikhlas, he says, you know, it's the last few days of Ramadan, let me make three rakat for fajr because I want to please Allah with the extra rakat. And he's crying in the three rakats then even if we take an oath that the salah is invalid, we will not have to give kafara and an expiation because the salah is not valid. Every amal of deen. And we should analyze and see the amal of deen that we're taking into our qabr with us. The recitation of Qur'an. We say we recite in Qur'an. We're reciting five paras and ten paras. But do the malaika count that as recitation of Qur'an? In the surah recited today, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructs Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam فَإِذَا قَرَأْنَاهُ فَاتَّبِعْ قُرْآنَهُ When Jibreel alayhi salam recites the Qur'an with the command of Allah, then you follow his way of recitation, telling Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And when it comes to explaining, ثُمَّ إِنَّ عَلَيْنَا بَيَانَهُ Then we will tell you how to explain it as well. So the recitation of Qur'an is a amal, but the amal must be done according to the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Just merely going through the words and then wishing that it's accepted doesn't work. Sometimes you see at the janazah, you know when they give out that one para, then you see some people, mashallah, they're looking, he's looking at the page and he's smiling and he's turning the next page. Are you looking and you're not, your mouth is not moving. How, how is it possible to make tilawat in your mouth? There's certain a'mal require the mouth to move. Like for the correctness of our salah, there are certain things which have to be uttered with the mouth. You have to say Allahu Akbar. You can't just make a a humble face and move your hands and lower your head and expect the salat, it will not be accepted. You have to utter Allahu Akbar. The recitation has to be recited. Brothers, when it's time for nikah 
and the guy comes in front of the imam, the imam asks him, why do you accept Fatima in your nikah? He don't smile. He answers, he says, gee, I accept her in my nikah. Because it's time to talk. It's not time to smile. So for a'mal, the a'mal have to be done according to the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu When you recite in Quran, then the recitation has to be done according to the sunnah. Imam Muhammad ibn al-Jazari, rahimahullah, one of the greatest scholars of, of uh, qiraat and the science of recitation, he says, if you hire a teacher to teach your child Quran, and he teaches your child to recite Quran without tajweed, then that person should not be paid a salary because he never taught Quran. I'm not saying this. The great scholars of Islam say, the teacher taught your child to recite without tajweed, without the correct recitation, then he doesn't deserve to be paid. And if somebody recites without the correct pronunciation, without tajweed, and the person hears it and says, Wallahi, this is not Quran, then that qasam is intact. Because Quran is that which was revealed, فَإِذَا قَرَأْنَاهُ فَاتَّبِعْ قُرْآنَ It has to be according to the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Like that every amal, the sadaqah we give, the zakah we give, must be in conformance with the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. A person says, I gave sadaqah, I gave my zakat. Who did you give your zakat to? Did it reach the recipients that Sharia has stipulated? Or did you just give it to an organization who uses it for administrative uh, costs? You don't know if your zakah reached the suitable this recipient. So respected brothers, these are the things we're taking with us into our qabr. And when we go into our qabr, it's going to be us and our hisab. We'll have to answer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is one of the lessons that we learned from tonight's recitation. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, this surah only has 30 verses, and a person who recites it, it will intercede for him, and he will, it will save him from the, the punishment of Jahannam, and he will be allowed to enter into Jannah. May Allah make us amongst them. And one more verse, inshallah, the next surah is a very pertinent one where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises the lofty character of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he says, وَإِنَّكَ لَا عَلَىٰ خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ Most certainly you are on a great level of character, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a hadith, I was sent, إِنَّمَا بُعِثْتُ لِأُتَمِّمْ مَكَارِمَ الْأَخْلَاقِ So that I may perfect the best of character. The character of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was the best of the entire creation. He had the most beautiful features and the best of akhlaq. Respected brothers, this beautiful character is not only to be shown to people outside. Many times we remind ourselves we need to display good character and it's a part of the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So outside, we smile with people and we display good manners. But in our homes, that type of mannerisms and akhlaq is not displayed. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, خيركم 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 The best amongst you are the ones who display the best character to their, to their families, to their wives, to their children. So outside, mashallah, the person says, Assalamu alaikum, and he is humble, and he is smiling like a cheesecake, you know, full from one side to the other, and at home he comes, no smile, no salam. And Rasulullah sallallahu the first thing he would do when he entered his home was to say salam, in a tone that if somebody was sleeping, they wouldn't be disturbed, and if they were awake, they would be able to hear him. So salam is something important. Go into our homes. Let us leave the baggage of work and the problems of our, our, our businesses at outside. And when we enter our home, there should be time for our families and good akhlaq, as Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said. Also, good akhlaq when it comes to interacting and meeting people. And sometimes we have to force ourselves. A person like me with a serious face, you have to force yourself to, to, to smile. Sometimes my child would say, 
uh, Abi, why are you angry today? I said, not angry, it's just the faces like that. What you can, there's nothing you can do about that. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says in a hadith, when two Muslims meet, and they shake hands, and they ask one another, how is things today? Just, just listen to this one hadith. Two Muslims meet, they shake hands, okay? And they ask one another, how are you, how's everything? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then أنزل الله بينهما مئة رحمة. الله سبحانه وتعالى sends upon them one hundred mercies, one hundred. But النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم says تسعة وتسعين لأبشهما. Ninety nine of those mercies are for the one who smiles the most from the two. So I'm trying to smile. You better smile, Harun. The one who, who's smiling and he's presenting a good face gets 99 of those mercies. وَأَطْلَقِهِمَا وَأَبَدْلِهِمَا And the one who's the happiest and he's trying to make the next person happy. Sometimes, respected brothers, unfortunately, a person is trying to change his life, you know, and he wants to come on to deen. Then we think deen means that now you must, uh, you must be sulking and you must just look down, don't greet anyone, must just be very serious. This is not how Rasulullah sallallahu was. Meet people, smile. Yes, the people that you are allowed to meet, the people that you are allowed to smile at, the people that you are allowed to look at. That disclaimer has to be mentioned. Otherwise, we'll use the, the talk of tonight to justify certain mistakes that we have. So Rasulullah sallallahu says, لِأَبَشِّهِمَا وَأَطْلَقِهِمَا وَأَبَدْلِهِمَا وَأَحْسَنِهِمَا مَسْأَلَةً لِأَخِيهِ And the one who is most concerned of his friend's condition. The one who is most concerned. So... Meeting somebody and asking him how's things because you want to know how he's doing, not just by the way, how's it going, and you carry on. The intention is that you wish to know the condition of your brother. So, this is part of akhlaq. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam displayed the most beautiful akhlaq that it is mentioned in a hadith that even if a small girl would get hold of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and hold his mubarak hand and tell him, I need to talk to you, I need to tell you something, Rasulullah would walk with the small girl. And then hear what she has to say. As the ulama, we always say, Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he would never say no for anything. If anybody asked him anything, he would he would respond with a positive answer. He would say yes. And if it was not for the la ilaha illallah, which we say in the shahada, he wouldn't have said no for any for anything in this world. This was the akhlaq of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. May Allah subhanahu wa taala grant us a, a, a portion of that beautiful character of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and may Allah beautify our character and beautify our a'mal and give us tawfiq to prepare for the qabr that we will all be heading towards insha'Allah. May Allah make it a garden of jannah for us and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us from the torments of the qabr. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. We'll just recite a few times the, the, the four recommended uh, things that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa advised to say the shahada and istighfar and also ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for jannah and protection from jahannam. أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله نستغفر الله نسألك الجنة ونعوذ بك من النار أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله نستغفر الله نسألك الجنة ونعوذ بك من النار أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله نستغفر الله 
نسألك الجنة ونعوذ بك من النار Also a reminder for us to renew our intentions for tomorrow's fast inshallah Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Allahumma inna nas'aluka al-afwa wal-afiyah wal-mu'afat al-da'ima fi al-dini wal-dunya wal-akhirah wal-fawza bil-jannati wal-najata min al-nar Allahumma habib ilayna al-eemana wa zayyinhu fi qulubina wa karrih ilayna al-kufra wal-fusuqa wal-isiyan Allahumma ja'alna min al-rashidin Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta al-sami'u al-alim wa tub alayna innaka anta al-tawab al-rahim Allahumma a'inna ala al-siyam wal-qiyam wa ghadda al-basar wa حفظ اللسان وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين